Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Dr. Shmasian. Chirac, are you ready to do this? Let's do it. Thanks for having me, George. Yeah, excited to have you on. Dr. Shamasian is the founder of Shamasian Academic Consulting. He's one of the foremost experts on medical school and graduate school admissions. Shirak, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, sure. Personal life. Boy, it's a loaded question. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I live in San Diego with my wonderful wife and my three-year-old son, who is super cute and does a lot of crazy things. So living in a state of unpredictability these days. Um, but uh, but yeah, and we have a little dog out here. Um, really enjoy assisting students with the admissions process and like to do a lot of stuff outdoors given you know life in San Diego, eat a lot of tacos uh, and enjoy all of that. Um, Urgent from Los Angeles. So as far as the work that I do, um, like you said, I assist students with you know getting into primarily medical school. Uh, we also assist students with undergraduate admissions, especially students who are interested in health programs as well as STEM programs. Uh, we also assist students with you know, grad school applications. Um, and I've been doing this for quite some time. Um, it really started out of necessity, really, organically. So I was in a high school, small private high school in Los Angeles, all Armenian students. Uh, most of the teachers were immigrants, you know, who didn't necessarily go to school here in the States. Um, and so we were just navigating, you know, admissions um, with very little support. And, you know, my my desire was always to go to some great schools, but didn't always have the mentors that I needed. And so I was self-taught with that process. And after I was successful with my own admissions and scholarship applications and things of that nature, um, people just started knocking on the door and saying, hey, can you help me too? And then it turned into, hey, you help my friend, can you help me too? And then started writing about it. And then people started coming to me organically. And so it just grew over time. Um, you know, I joke a lot of times, George, that, you know, I don't know of any kids in this country who say, when I grow up, I want to help people with admissions. Right? It's not <laughs> a, it's not like uh, becoming a professional basketball player or something like that. So um, I sort of, you know, developed a, a love for it. And as our students were having a ton of interest and getting more and more questions about it, it just it just was natural fit, you know, really love connecting with students, helping them share their stories. And they were having tons of success. So I figured, you know, it'd be it would be a great idea to pursue more seriously. And so I've been doing it full time. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to be able to talk to people that that did something successfully and then people actually came to them and and, yep. and said, hey, how, 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 how do I do that also? And it turned into an entire business and an enormous impact. So I appreciate yep. that. Yeah, thank you. And I I imagine I, I've never considered going to medical school. Uh, I imagine it's extremely competitive. Can you kind of give us a little bit of the landscape of what that's like? Yeah, it's incredibly competitive. Um, you know, you can argue, you know, if not the hardest, you know, post undergraduate field to get into, certainly up there. Um, it's, you know, there are over 50,000 people who apply each year. And of that 50,000, around 40% get into at least one MD program. And so that means, you know, 60% roughly don't get in anywhere. 
and they have to reapply or consider a different career. So, you know, with college admissions in our country, we have so many schools in America that it's usually a question of where you're going to go, not if you're going to go. Medical school admissions is a completely different ballgame because it's a question of if you're going to become a physician. So it's a it's an incredible privilege, um, you know, to get into medical school and to become a doctor here. And, and you know, by extension, I, I really do see it as a privilege to assist people because, you know, they're placing a lot of trust in our support. And uh, I never take that for granted. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate that. Um so I'm 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 terrible at math. That's let's just say that that's twenty thousand new medical students every year, give or take. Yeah, that's a you know good good rough estimate. So there are you know new schools popping up here and there. So a little over, but but yeah, um, we have you know new physicians entering the workforce. Um, you know a lot of folks talk about how you know we don't necessarily have enough new physicians to meet the demand of you know healthcare in the country. And but there are other issues associated with that, right? Because we have um, some cities like a San Diego or a Boston and places like this that, you know, might have too many doctors, right? Especially mm -hmm. relative to certain areas like in rural parts of the country that have too few doctors. And so it's a real challenge to to meet, you know, our, our healthcare needs in our country, especially when it comes to primary care, um, because we have so many physicians in America who are specialists, you know, orthopedic surgeons and radiologists and things of this nature. So it's just, uh, I mean, a fascinating field with tremendous challenges and, of course, ultra important. Um, you know, it feels very appropriate talking about this during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Has I, I have been part of conversations and understand that they take place that physicians are frustrated by the amount of money that they can make. Has that impacted? Is is that a real thing? Has that has that slowed the amount of money who are interested or the amount of people who are interested in the profession? So I'll answer the second part first. Um, has it, you know, has have changes in income potential within medicine impacted interest in going into medicine? No. Um, applications keep going up, uh, you know, especially during 20 in 2020, people attributed to the Fauci effect and we expect this trend to continue, you know, in 2021. I don't have official numbers yet, but, you know, they seem uh, they're probably going to be really, really high. And so I wouldn't say that, you know, there's less interest in medicine. If anything, there's growing interest in medicine. Hmm. Um, whether that trend will continue, I don't know. And if it does, I don't know how long it'll continue. Um, but we haven't seen any slowdown. And as far as, you know, have has the income potential changed in our country, you know, if we were talking a physician, you know, 30 years ago, were they making more, especially relative to the, you know, to the cost of living here in the States and all that kind of stuff? Um, you know, that's, that tends to be the case. But again, that hasn't impacted much. And so over time, unless there's some dramatic shift, let's say we go to fully, I don't know, to a single payer healthcare system and the rates are capped for what you can charge and, you know, insurance becomes something you have to do. Um, then, then it might change and it depends on how much, you know, it'll cap. But I think that, you know, medicine is always going to be a very popular f profession and certainly going to be a very needed profession, right? We all have health needs and we're all going to get sick at some point and mm -hmm. want to see a doctor and so on and so forth. So, you know, I think given still, you know, per capita income for a physician is among the highest, if not the highest of any other, you know, professional group. And so it's still very attractive. Uh, in addition to that, there's a lot of prestige, right? 
those, sure. those shirts when you say, trust me, I'm a doctor, you know, they're not <laughs> kidding. Um, you know, we, we tend to, and when, when people are polled about, you know, which professionals do you trust the most, doctors are either at or near the top in pretty much every such survey. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of prestige, there's a lot of, there's high pay. Um, you're going to live a, a solid life when it comes to financials. Of course, there's a lot of loan and debt, and that's a separate, you know, conversation. But over the course of an entire career, uh, physicians still do quite well. And, um, you know, I think they'll be okay. For sure. And it's certainly the most revered um, for for me. So I, I, for I, sure. I appreciate that. In terms of, uh, I'm, I'm curious about, um, students who are United States citizens going to medical school abroad. And I'm also curious about uh, folks who are outside of the United States coming to the United States to go to medical yep. school. I've, and I've, you know, I, I hear about visas and, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah. So that's a pretty complex question. Um, you know, international medical students. So it really matters, you know, if whether you are a U.S. citizen versus an international um, you know, an international citizen or non-U.S. citizen, I should say. Um, and then also the specific school, right? What the accreditation is and so on and so forth. Like, for instance, if I go to a Canadian medical school, I'm going to have a much easier time coming back to the States for hmm. residency. Um, if I'm a U.S. citizen who went abroad and if I do some OA rotations in the United States because I have, you know, work privileges here, then it's going to be easier for me to work in the States. But if I'm, let's say, I don't know, let's say I'm ethnically Armenian, so I'll use that. Um, less likely to you know, bother anybody with sure. my example. So let's say I went to medical school in Armenia um, and I grew up in Armenia. I'm an Armenian citizen. If I want to come to the States, it's going to be harder, right? It's going to be different if let's say I had some away rotations here or after medical school, I did some, you know, research work, uh, a fellowship or a clinical fellowship or something like that. But the road is tougher. And, but some people have to take that road, George, right? If you don't get into a U.S. medical school, then you might, you know, your hand might be forced. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I tell students, if you have the opportunity to study in the States and you want to live and practice in the States, it would behoove you to do everything you can to get in the States um, and, and take it from there. Got it. So should I start? My, I've got a soon-to-be five-year-old and a soon-to-be two-year-old. Should I start the process right now of preparing them for medical school, or is that too early? Oh, boy. So I'm thinking about my own three-year-old, George, and I'm frightened by the prospect of prepping him for medical <laughs> school, so I couldn't, you know, in my right mind, recommend it uh, just yet. But, you know, if they show that propensity, I'd love to chat with you. So, so when, when should someone start preparing I mean, so there's sort of the official preparation, right? Like when you're a few years out and then the the earlier preparation, right? As far as pursuing it, seeing if it's something you enjoy. Um, if you're looking to apply to medical school um, and you're thinking about, okay, how many years out do I really have to drill down? When do my grades matter? When do my extracurriculars matter? Um, that's really at the start of college, right? So freshman year, sophomore year, junior, senior, the grades you get, the extracurriculars you do, the advising relationships, the rec letter relationships you develop, how you do on the MCAT, which is the standardized test for medical school, that really matters. Now, you know, a lot of students in high school um, already know that they want to be a doctor. And so they might go to a direct med program, which is like a seven or eight year um, very rarely six year like direct program where you do a combined BS and an MD or there are other permutations to like a BA or MD, whatever. Um, and so some students might have to think about it in high school if they want to go that route. But also, it's not like you're going to wake up as a 19 year old one day and all of a sudden have amazing work habits and all this kind of stuff. So I think that, you know, starting in middle school when the academic rigor really increases, um, I encourage students like to 
you know, to really work on their work habits, to, to figure out how they study well, how they study not so well, uh, to pursue things extracurricularly, to see if they actually like this stuff. Because I know, you know, and from my experience, there are some students who, you know, for whatever reason, maybe their parents told them or they just, you know, observed it or there were doctors and family or whatever, um, they just start pursuing, uh, they, they say I'm pre-med. And you ask them, well, you know, how much have you pursued? They're like, well, not so much. And they don't really know. They just always thought they'd be a doctor, but haven't actually, you know, gone down that road. And so I tell people, actually try it out. See if you like it, you know. Um, you know, it's not something that you should take lightly. It's a long road. It's expensive. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion that goes into it, um, things of this nature. And you really have to think about it ahead of time and not just, you know, willy-nilly last minute you know, figure this kind of thing out because you're going to need several years of prep with academics and extracurriculars uh, to actually be successful or even have the chance of being successful. Yeah, I certainly appreciate that. I think that that's extraordinary advice. So how do I figure out if this is something that I'd like? Am I trying to shadow a doctor? Am I just talking to doctors? How, 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 how do I figure that out? Yeah, I mean, there are so many ways in which to dip your feet, so to speak. Um, you can shadow a physician for sure. Um, you can also, you know, get involved in various patient exposure experiences, especially undergrads have these opportunities where they're able to, you know, see patients in the hospital as far as part of a special program. You might, you know, get an EMT certification or a medical assistant certification. Some students will also, um, you know, do a ton of research. In fact, for MD admissions, it's pretty much expected. So you should do that too, pursuing academic medicine because you're going to be reading a lot of papers and looking into data and all this kind of stuff. And and so there are so many ways to explore medicine, of course, service as well. If you don't like working with people, if you don't enjoy service, mm, that's a pretty good tell that you might not want to go into it long term. That certainly makes sense. Is there is 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 there wisdom in taking an IQ test to see if I'm smart enough to, to actually do this? That's a that's a loaded question um, because, you know, IQ tests, we have to think about what the, I think what you're asking me, George, like, does someone have the I don't know, like cognitive I, ability. Yeah, or I, I, like, I, I, I don't ability think I'm smart successful. enough to go to medical school. So ah. uh, so I think that if I were considering it, I, I don't think that I would be successful in that environment. That's I'm not I was it was an honest question. So, yeah. So. I mean, I'm thinking about this, uh, you know, as, as someone who's trained to actually deliver IQ tests, I'm, I'm thinking about this from a million different angles. It's not a question I get every single day. Um, <laughs> so I don't, so first of all, I don't think at a high level, I should say, I don't think people should take an IQ test and see, okay, if I'm above some cutoff, cool. If I'm above some, below some cutoff, no, <laughs> um, because there's so much more than just, you know, cognitive ability or even academic achievement and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we find, I mean, there's so much research to, to show that there are so many other aspects of being a physician that lead to practicing medicine successfully beyond someone's smarts, right? If, if someone is cognitively, you know, has high ability, but their emotional intelligence is low, I'd actually worry about that person becoming a physician, right? Um, that you can make an argument that someone's emotional intelligence is just as important, if not more important than, you know, cognitive ability or whether they can get a, an A minus or an A on their organic chemistry exam. And then there's also the, you know, the angle of, you know, IQ aside, you know, people are practicing different specialties. And so what it takes to be a really successful orthopedic surgeon might be different than what it takes to be a really successful psychiatrist 
or infectious disease physician or whatever. And then there's the, you know, there's considering, you know, the angle of diversity, um, you know, regardless of someone's cognitive ability, you know, patients like to see oftentimes physicians who look like them or who have had experience treating people in their community. So if someone's really bright or even has tremendous, you know, emotional intelligence, but they simply haven't had much experience uh, working with members of a certain community, they might not be a good fit for that context. So my, my answer to your question is the the yes or no answer is no. Uh, I don't think people <laughs> should take a, an, an IQ test and to see if they're fit to be a physician. Of course, you have to have a certain level of academic achievement to get sufficiently high grades and an MCAT score and all that kind of stuff. I just don't think that should be the deciding factor. Got it. That That certainly does make sense. I had not considered um, getting an EMT and doing the the medical-based research or different certifications, but that makes all the sense in the world. Um, I think that obviously the practical experience you get, but also is, is, is there value in demonstrating to the admission committee, if that's what it is, that, hey, I've, I've done all this work? You have to. So if someone says, I want to be a doctor, applies to med school, has the grades, but they don't have patient exposure, shadowing experience, you're not going to get in. Hmm. So it's not only, a, oh, see if you like it kind of thing. It's actually, hey, if you want to have a shot at this, you must do certain things. And so, you know, when we work with our students, we help develop their extracurricular profiles, not just to, you know, push them to see whether they want to be doctors. But, hey, if you're going to actually get into this thing, you're going to have to do certain amounts of work beforehand. Got it. And are all of the factors? Is it is it your 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 grades? It's your MCAT test score and the extracurriculars. What are the what are the really key variables? Stats matter. When I say stats, I mean GPA and MCAT score. Really critical. Beyond stats, uh, we're also going to have to look at your shadowing experience. That's physician observation patient exposure experience where you're actually delivering, you know, hands-on patient care to some extent, research experience, whether through, you know, extracurriculars or part of an honors thesis. You also have to demonstrate community service and a heart for that. Um, and then you have to get great rec letters and write these essays for the application process, interview coaching. There's an additional test called Casper, and then you got to interview. So it's a really layered process, takes multiple years, and it's hard. Um, I, I tell people all the time, medical school admissions is not complicated. I can give you a checklist of things you have to do, but doing it successfully is very difficult. And, um, you know, it's, it's like if I said to you, George, you know, intellectually, like dunk a basketball, you know, you just have to, how tall are you? Okay, now raise your <laughs> hand. Okay, well, you got it. All right, we now need to add three, you know, three feet to your vertical leap, and then you just put the ball in the net. And if I say go, you know, and I know, unless you could dunk a basketball, I can't, George. I can't either. Yeah, well, yeah, most people I, I would say can't. Um, it's hard, right? So it's intellectually, it's easy to understand, and it's not complex, but pulling it off is a whole different ballgame. And, and medicine's like that, you know, being a pre-med is like that. And then there's a lot of pressure, you know, from families, uh, especially, you know, parents, um, and, you know, maybe pressure that a student has internalized or they see other students around and there's a lot of misinformation or the person sitting next to you in physics class is getting better grades than you. And you start asking yourself, am I smart enough? Like the question you brought up. Right. Um, and and so all this kind of stuff uh, really comes into play. 
lots of different variables there. I hadn't really, I hadn't considered the pressure from families and from yourself and then the danger of comparison, all of those things all go into why this process maybe sounds easy, but does extremely hard. Yep. Enter Dr. Shemesian. It, 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 it all makes sense. I love it. Yeah. Well, Shrek, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Difference-making tip. Um, boy, you know, usually when I get a question like this, George, I say, you just got to start, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and it's true, right? Because I find that a lot of people, and I think this is apropos with the medicine discussion, a lot of, we talk about passion a lot in our country, find your passion and do it. And then, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never feel like you're working a day in your life or whatever that saying is, except I feel like people in our country are often waiting for passion to, you know, hit them over the head and for them to realize one morning, aha, I got it. But you have to try, right? Like what, like what you said, uh, whether you're talking about medicine or entrepreneurship or whatever field you might want to enter into, you actually got to dip your feet and see you actually like it. And then give it some time. Don't just try it for, you know, two weeks and give up. People give up too easily as well. So, you know, whatever it takes to develop that muscle where you're developing resilience, I think is going to be critical, whether you decide to do medicine or anything else. And I think there's a lot of value in also learning what you don't want to do uh, just as much as the value in knowing what you do want to do. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. Shrek, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and how can they engage with you? Well, I mean, you could just come to the site, uh, shamasianconsulting.com or just shamasian.com, lead you to the same place. Uh, I think you'll link to it in the show notes. Um, and then people can always, you know, click the contact button at the top and get in touch or join the newsletter for any free resources they might want. But it would be a pleasure to support. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Sharak your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to shamasian.com. That's S-H-E-M-M-A-S-S-I-A-N.com or shamasianconsulting.com. And I will link all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, doctor. Awesome. Thank you so much, George. Bye for now. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.